Well, hello, and welcome to the Fisher Poetry Podcast, a showcase of prose, poetry, and song written and performed by those in the commercial fishing community. Mostly. I'm your host, Brad. Thanks for joining us today. Today's episode is from the 2023 Fisher Poetry Gathering in Astoria, Oregon. You'll be hearing from Fisher Poets Doug Rhodes of Craig, Alaska, George Wilson of Portland, Oregon, John Broderick of Cannon Beach, Oregon, and Jay Speakman of Gearhart, Oregon, with an introduction by MC Ken Kaiser. This set was recorded at the Liberty Theater on Saturday, February 25th, 2023. So, without further ado, here's the show. All right, as the lights dim, the fishermen appear. Now, I've been standing on deck all night with this man, and I have yet to discover who he actually is. Well, Doug Rhodes is a commercial gill netter and longliner. He has been fishing for over 50 years, starting out hand trolling in Sitka on a 13-foot Boston whaler at 14 years old. So let's tear it up for Doug Rhodes. All right, thanks guys. All right, I got one here that I wrote. Uh, it's about a, a friend of mine who we'd go out gillnet and he comes back in and, and he's kind of addicted to those, those uh, I guess they call reality shows that are all about our state. And uh, anyway, I wrote this poem about it. I have a friend that loves Deadliest Catch and some of those other Alaskan shows too. I told him, but you're a commercial fisherman. This is the stuff you already do. He could go out and check his own crab pot or work on his gill net and add a new panel or maybe just go out and anchor up instead of watching that Discovery Channel. <laughs> He's watching all these Alaskan shows and there's new ones added each year. Most of them give you the wrong impression about what it's like to live up here. All these shows are basically the same, people talking about the outdoor life they picked then you realize you're living one of these shows without about 90% of the conflict. <laughs> I've ranted about all these shows before. I know it's nothing new, but damn it, we're commercial fishermen. This is the stuff we already do. All these shows can hook you in, and my willpower is not necessarily stronger. It's just that real-life outdoor experiences will, you'll hopefully remember them longer. So... Go troll up a winter king on an early morning tide and turn off that Nat Geo channel and get your ass outside. <laughs> All right, this, this other one I wrote. Uh, uh, anybody in here longline halibut? Okay, if you have a, a boat that's over 40 feet, before you get to go out, you have to roll the dice and see if you're going to have to have an observer on your boat. Or, like me, I thought, I'm going to get away from all that and I'll let the government uh, put cameras on my boat. And so I have cameras on my boat, and, uh, and this one's called Government Porno. <laughs> Big Brother started watching me this year, and I'm not sure what they will learn but they installed a camera on my deck and another one out off my stern. The government is watching me and I'm starting to get enraged. The cameras automatically turn on, turn on whenever the hydraulics are engaged. So when do my cameras ever turn off? This is where my fascination with them sours because apparently after everything is turned off, they stay on for at least two more hours. It's all recorded on some fancy hard drive into a series of little video clips. Then someone down in Portland looks at and records everything I did on my halibut trips. Now I'd like to know what kind of information or what they've all recorded and what kind of information they seek because I know that at least twice I thought the cameras were off as I stripped down and took a leak. <laughs> all I know for sure is the cameras have a fisheye lens and they see things both near and far. But the people reviewing the tape should remember that objects may appear larger than they are. 
So I, I sent a copy of that poem with the hard drive to uh, Portland. <laughs> Somewhere in Portland, I hope somebody got a chuckle. This other one is, a, is about a size. It's another one about size. This one uh, is uh, about a story I heard on uh, the radio while I was working on, uh, on my engine in my engine room. And this one's called uh, 24-inch Mechanic. I had to fix my engine this year, and my engine room is really tiny. I was crawling around in my greasy bilge, but I don't want to sound that whiny. I, tried to re I had to reach up under my reduction gear, but no matter how hard I did strive, I needed to be a much smaller man than me standing six foot five. Frustrated, I took a break from working. Listening to the radio sounded like the thing to do. When I heard about the world's new smallest man, and according to Ripley's, he lives in Peru. Well, I got very excited listening, as this guy was only 24 inches tall, and I began to let my mind wander about what could be done with a guy that small. I could slide him down along my bilge. He could inspect my oil pan inch by inch. Wow, this guy'd be in big demand if he knows how to turn a wrench. So the next time something breaks in a tight spot, don't you panic because I want to become the manager of the 24-inch Peruvian mechanic. <laughs> All right, this is, this is one that I wrote. Uh, I, I'm, I'm pulling out some old ones because we haven't been here live for a long time. But this is one I wrote gill netting about uh, watching this little spider out my window. And, uh, you know, I, I just couldn't kill him. I just had to watch this guy. Tenacious, in a storm. He's out there working on this net, or excuse me, this web. And uh, just tenacious, rattling with the wind and the storms. And, and anyway, this poem is called Kindred Spirits. I saw a spider spinning his web. Man, it looked like a pain in the ass. Right in front of my pilot house window, by the wiper motor up next to the glass. And I began to really think about this bug as he struggled to untangle a moth. And I realized that we've got a lot in common and we're both cut from the very same cloth. I started making some comparisons between the spider's webs and my gill nets and jotted down some of my observations while drifting in between sets. He anchors all the corners of his gear to make it all fish better. I don't know if he has a drift permit card or not, but Technically, he's a set netter. <laughs> he works his web all summer like us until the fall weather shuts him down. His gear is working 24-7, and he never needs to run to town. He hangs his web in nothing flat and puts it anywhere he chooses. His meshes are always hung just right. I don't know what kind of knots he uses. He doesn't worry about closures. Coast Guard regulations cause him no fear. I think his web is monofilament, so Christ, he's fishing illegal gear. <laughs> he's the fastest picker you'll ever see when mosquitoes show up in swarms. I tell my deckhand, that's how you do it. He says, yeah, but the dude has eight arms. <laughs> he's always building a new net. Most people would call him loco. He spins web even better than Osada, Momoy, or Yoroko. Sometimes you see them with their webs set one right after another, but they always give themselves at least a net length. They never seem to cork each other. He works his gear rain or shine, and he does it all with elation. Every gill netter should watch a spider as a source of inspiration. So when I see a spider web on the boat, I just smile and let it be. I'd never mess with a fellow gill netter out of professional courtesy. All right, here's one, uh, here's one I wrote uh, about when I was a kid. All the, all the old-timers would always help me out when I was a kid, and I, I, you know, just showed some interest in fishing, and these guys were always so good. And, uh, and this is a poem about those guys. It's about old guys. 
I remember when I was just a kid and my eyes filled with surprise as I walked the docks and looked at boats and listened to the stories of the old guys. They talked about the good times. They talked about the bad times too. But I just sat there listening because it was all so exciting and new. I learned about threading herring, splitting tails and twisting hooks, bending abanals at the diamond. You can't read this stuff in books. I heard about surviving tidal waves, how to keep spoons bright with hydrotone, advice on how to make and use a code sheet way back before anyone had a cell phone. And now, after 50 years of fishing, as I tell you this, I can finally realize that you're listening to every word I say. Crap, I became one of those old guys. Here's, uh, here's one that has absolutely nothing to do. Well, it kind of has something to do with fishing. But anyway, it's about, uh, it's about coffee, which has something to do with fishing, I guess. But then they got all the fancy stuff, and this one's called, uh, a bur uh, it's called Barista. And the reason I say this is that I, I'm using this one is I had a kid in Kaufman Cove. We're in the middle of nowhere. I had talked to this class and read this poem in this school class, high school class. And now we're out in a skiff uh, waiting for the tide to, to come in so we can get through this little slot and into Kaufman Cove. And it's storming. And this kid and his dad are there. And the kid comes over to me and he starts having a conversation about this poem. And he, he's saying, you know, some people thought this poem was just about coffee, but I thought you were really talking about the evils of technology. And he goes into this deep thing, and I'm thinking, wow, good, yeah. And I'm thinking, damn, it was about coffee. But and anyway, it's called Barista. When I was just a little kid before I became a man, all the coffee I ever saw was scooped out of a can. At my house, it was Folgers. In a round tin can, it was found. And when you opened it up, there were no beans. I guess they'd already been all ground. You brewed it in a percolator, and you had to wait till it was done. But watching it perk to that glass dome was a major source of fun. Now the times have really changed. There's craft beers and even local vino. And coffee is now called a mocha, latte, or cappuccino. And this strong stuff they call espresso, well, that one really gets my goat because it tastes like coffee that sat all day on the oil stove of my boat. <laughs> now the beans come from all over and they're roasted according to some plan and then they're ground to some specifications. It's not the same stuff from that can. Then they pack the grounds into a device until it's compressed into a little coffee nodule and then they fire up some big ass Italian, Italian machine the size of the lunar landing module. They froth it up and belch some steam until there's a little cup of brown goo and into a batch of foamy milk they dump this residue. So I long for the old days of the percolator, but now I look at the bright side with no tears. I had a skill I just never knew. Hell, I've been a barista for 50 years. All right, I'm going to end it with this, uh, this one uh, poem. And now, this poem, uh, you know, I want you to just realize I'm going to take this poem. I just wa I want to make you smile. Sometimes I'll hear a joke and I'll try to make it into a poem. This is one of those. I'm going to take something right up to the edge, but I'm not going over it, so don't worry. Don't freak out on me here, okay? It's called Marooned on a South Pacific Island. A fisherman washed up on the shore of a deserted South Pacific island. His boat had sunk, but he hadn't drowned, and for that, this guy was smiling. But he longed for a little company, and for that, he shed some tears. He had no one else to talk with, and he'd been there two long years. Every day, he'd walk down to the beach and watch the waves roll in, soaking up the sun all alone as they rolled back out again. But one day, as he looked out at the ocean, he couldn't believe his eyes. A beautiful babe in a wetsuit washed up, much to his surprise. Her beautiful hair was flowing. This hot chick was really cute. And she licked her lips enticingly as she slowly unzipped her suit. She said, would you like a cigarette? Holy crap, 
You got some of those? I used to smoke two packs a day. And a little further down her zipper goes. She reaches in one side of her wetsuit, pulls out a cigarette and a light. The guy takes a drag on the cigarette and squeals in glorious delight. Then she unzips the suit a little further below the tan line on the top of her bikini and says, now would you like a drink? I could make you a martini. The guy says, holy crap, that's my favorite drink. It's been two years since I had a taste. She says, well, today's your lucky day and unzips the suit down to her waist. She reaches in her wetsuit and pulls out a shaker, ice and booze and makes a fisherman the best martini ever. This guy just couldn't lose. So the guy has a cigarette in his left hand and a martini in, her, in his right. And she unzips her wetsuit all the way down and says, now, what should we do tonight? She says, I was thinking maybe we could play around if that's what you'd like to do. The guy says, holy crap, you got a set of golf clubs in there too? All right, thank you. Oh, I tell you what, that makes me smile. Being a golfer myself. All right, our next hand on deck is George Wilson. George was born in Scotland into a well-established fishing family on the northeast coast. He fished over 20 years on the North Sea for cod, haddock, monkfish, and squid. He also spent two seasons set netting in Uganic Bay on Kodiak Island. You can also find his watercolors, which are displayed at the Emojin Gallery right here in downtown Astoria. So let's give a warm welcome to George Wilson. Hello. Okay, so I've been observing a lot of Fisher poets, and it seems to me the key, one of the keys to success is having a heartfelt and humorous introduction. So, taking that into consideration, here's my first piece. I'm not going to do an introduction. Facts of Life, one, engineers. Engineers wipe their oily hands on rags. They smoke slim menthol cigars. They roll greasy roll-ups from oily tobacco tins. They smell of sweat, and their sweat smells sweetly of rum. They gamble on horses and bet on accumulators that almost, but not quite, beat the odds. They lean over top rails, observing outlet cooling pipes and drink steaming cups of tea in humid galleys. They sleep with their mouths open in bunks above skipper's bunks at the bottom of ladders in pledge-scented cabins. They are ready for anything, some of the time. They bathe in hydraulic fluid. They are masters of grease gunnery, lubricating hanging blocks, rollers, and cranes, and setting them in states of perpetual motion that defy and disregard the laws of physics. They descend ladders into engine rooms slowly. They ascend ladders from engine rooms miraculously without touching handrails or rungs in shafts of light Born by angels, cherubs strewing rose petals before them. <laughs> they slap brand new gloves on rails, pawn boards, hatch covers on their way forward to haul. They say it stretches the gloves, makes them more comfortable. They say it really works. They tie up winch handles when heaving back, glance interestedly into four peaks, then walk aft to galleys, chat to cooks,
collect fresh cups of tea, then wander forward, slapping gloves on metal again. Running out to fishing grounds in early hours before weather gusting gale force, boats rolling and lurching, gunnel to gunnel, decks awash, scupper doors clanking, the attempt to climb into bunks above skipper's bunks, but are thrown bodily across cabins, splitting heads on seat lockers and drawing blood that tastes like engine oil. In cold dawns, they numbly operate cranes, swinging trolls overboard among hosts of kittiwakes and foamers and gannets. They dump engine room trash cans. Empty half bottles clink and glug on the swell. They are legendary soccer players, youthful and athletic in faded photographs. They stand on concrete piers accompanied by grandsons and tap on the temple and say in Scottish, it's Mahid, indicating inside tumors and cancers. They are driven to crematoria. They combust prodigiously. They ascend ladders from engine rooms miraculously without touching handrails or rungs and shafts of light borne by angels, cherubs strewing rose petals before them. They say it really works. Okay, that's the first one. So there was a call went out on Channel 16 this year for more poetry, so I'm going to do two short poems and then I'm going to do a prose piece. This one's called Preparing to Leave. And it's, yeah, and the, I don't know if you know Robert Burns, the poet, the, Scot the famous Scottish poet, the backbone of Scotland, the, yeah, the heart of Scotland, the, the lower regions of Scotland. In the, in the introduction to his first collection of poems, it says poems and songs chiefly in the vernacular. Well, these next two are chiefly in the vernacular. Preparing to leave. Let her go and stow the ropes. Let her go and stow the ropes. Let her go and stow the ropes. Dog the hatches, mark things, tech, techt, or you'll, you'll regret it when she starts to lift. Let her go and stow the ropes, let her go and stow the ropes, let her go and stow the ropes. Lush doing the net and heave the doors, watch fading lichts through golden shores. Let her go and stow the ropes, let her go and stow the ropes, let her go and stow the ropes. Take off your gear and draw in a breath, she's rolling new, the swell and s. Let her go and stow the ropes. Let her go and stow the ropes. Let her go and stow the ropes. Mark your tay and climb up the trap. See for the skipper's mind is at. Let her go and stow the ropes. Let her go and stow the ropes. Let her go and stow the ropes. You've made your bed, no lie in it. The words that haunt me every trip. Let her go and stow the ropes. Let her go and stow the ropes. Let her go and stow the ropes. Thank you. This next one's called Boat Cooks. I was a boat cook for, for six years, and I was the, possibly the grumpiest boat cook in the fleet. Um, okay, Boat Cooks. I've been a cook, I've seen it out, but for I can without a doubt is, oh man, boat cooks are grumpy -o. 
I've peeled the turkeys in a gale, I've washed the dishes in a pail, but fit I came without a fail is Ochman, boat coops are grumpio. I've chased the eggs around the pond, I've made lasagna out the sechta lawn. But fit I can without a plan is Ochman, boat cooks are grumpio. I've bleached the clutes, I've scrubbed the fleer, I've been doing this for near 20 years, but fit I can and I will mark clear is Ochman, boat cooks are grumpio. I've stowed my gear and stashed the stores. I've heized my bricks and hove ticked the doors. But fit I can fray this day for is, Och man, boat cooks are grumpy. I've made the breakfast and called the watch. I've iced the fish and closed the hatch. But I'm fit I'm sure with true dispatch is, Och man. Boat cooks are grumpy. Fry your mince and tatties, Lord. Set them aside and hear my word. This matter I have long explored. Och man, boat cooks are grumpy. Grumpy, grumpy. Och man, boat cooks are grumpy. Thank you. Okay, so this next piece is a prose piece. Um, it's, it explains itself. Um, it's called The Har the and the Old Red Sandstone, a fairy tale. Har, spelled H-A-A-R, Hotel Alpha Alpha Romeo is a Scottish word for a particular sea fog which occurs between April and September on the East Coast. Meteorologically speaking, it is what happens when relatively warmer, moist air passes over the surface of the cold North Sea and condenses. It is then blown or drawn by convection currents to shore where it blankets the coast in an eerie, chilly, reality-altering ether. To experience it is to feel that it is alive. It scrambles over the cliffs and sea crags and creeps up the grassy braes. It fills the sea caves and slides through the great rock arches named the Bow Fiddle and Whale's Moo, which are the most prominent landmarks of the headland where my village, Pornoki, sits above the North Sea. It muffles the sound of the breakers crashing on the shore and dampens down the cries of the gulls, kittiwakes, fulmers and guillemots nesting in rookeries by the sea caves on the old red sandstone cliffs. Geologically so old that they don't contain any fossilized life. Think of that, older than life itself. The Har and the Old Red Sandstone are well acquainted, or well acquaint, as we say. What is the passing of time to the Old Red Sandstone and the Har as they embrace in their soft caress once more? There must have been a first time this happened. Will there be a last? There is a graveyard to the west of the village atop, as they say in fairy tales, atop the cliff. When the har rolls in, it becomes a half-obscured theatrical set of granite headstones and marble monoliths, markers for the dead. Now dry-iced by the har. Crows perch on the headstones, curlews call from the shore, larks confused by the fog still spiral up into the heavens searching for the sun. The old people said, and it's a curious fact that people are born old in Pernoki. The old people said, well, in truth, my great auntie Jeannie said that when the har rolls in, you might see on the path, on the cliff above the shore, that you might catch a glimpse of the ancestors. Taking a stroll, a perambulation, 
through the veil of the heart. Because magic happens when the old red sandstone kisses the heart. You see that all folk, the ancestors, they like it to stretch their legs after sick a long lie doon, my great Aunt Eugenie said. Then she cackled like crones always do in fairy tales. And if you walked back to the harbor through the village, past bedsheets pegged on lines strung between poles to dry atop the cliff, to the house where my great Aunt Jeannie lived, then maybe, just maybe, you could see through the har the great fleet of sailboats christened Zulus at their conception and construction in the time of the Zulu Wars. One hundred boats crammed into that tiny harbour, their nine-man crews readying them for the upcoming Yarmouth herring season. Legendary sailing craft, 80 feet long with, hu with a huge mainmast of Norwegian spruce, so big around, the old people said, that you couldn't encompass it with your arms. So tall, the old people said, that when the har rolled in, you couldn't see the top. And maybe, just maybe, if you were in Uganic Bay on Kodiak, Kodiak Island at the time of a salmon closure and observed the har creep along Uganic, Uganic Island, then slip across the pass and slide up the bay on the incoming tide and roll smokily between and over and through the alders and birches and cottonwoods of the village islands, then you might just catch a glimpse of Wendy tending her garden or picking salmon berries or raspberries on the brae. And you might just catch a glimpse of the tall, lean frame of Harvey mending nets in the bait, his long fingers cinching down on knots between the worlds. And if Har ever rode up the Long Island Sound and over the Block Island and up into Point, Point, Point Judith, then maybe, just maybe, through the veil you might see a tall, broad-shouldered, slightly hunched figure tuning a bazooki and laughing at his own jokes. And if that's you and you did see John Campbell, then say hello from me. For it is true that what the old people say, that when the har kisses the old red sandstone, magic happens. Everything is altered. Nothing remains the same. Time stands still. Time collapses. All times mingle in the har. Har. H-A-A-R. Hotel Alpha Alpha Romeo. Okay, thank you. Oh, thank you, George. All right. Well, as we sail farther into the unknown, these next two gentlemen need no introduction. The godfathers of this Fisher Poet Gathering. Let's give a big warm welcome to John Broderick and Jay Speakman. Well, thanks for being here. Thanks for being here this weekend. It goes by pretty quickly, this uh, Fisher Poets Gathering thing. So, thanks for being here tonight to help us close it out. I'll tell you how this song came about. Uh, I'm uh, with my family. Uh, we're setting netters up in Nushigak and uh, uh, Bristol Bay, Alaska. And we all, uh, uh, it's, a, it's kind of muddy. Uh, windy, uh, wet work, and uh, I am very fortunate to have uh, five kids, four sons, uh, and my wife. Uh, they come up and help us keep the fish and business operating, and they still let me drive the boat a little bit. 
And uh, we need a lot of labor, and so uh, now we have to hire, we hire a few guys. And Perry's wife, Katie, uh, works as a nurse, and uh, she says, I know somebody might like to come up to Alaska, Ed. Ed's a long-distance bicycle rider. Uh, uh, he, uh, he, she says, Ed likes to suffer. So <laughs> Ed came up and put a first, his first gear in, and when he, uh, he got back home, he... Uh, <laughs> He explained this to us last year as we were talking to our, this year's new guy. He says, when I got back last year, I told my sweetheart, he says, told Anna, but whatever happens, don't let me go back up there again. <laughs> and yet, of course, he came back up, and he was telling the new guy that the next year is a lot, a lot easier. And Ed's coming back up this year, too. So I knew there was a song in there someplace, and it goes like this. With a little luck, we're ready to go. Thanks for, thanks for the hustle there. Okay. This is another one of those songs we tried to find harmonic, uh, tried to keep, uh, tried to stump Jay, but I think he got it and just in time. We'll know shortly. It's, it's, tr it's tricky, I can tell you. Let's see if we can get it. away so honey come next spring no matter what I say don't let me go back there again I've seen enough of Nushagak enough the same old crew I've seen enough aluminum but not enough of you I'm tired of rain and patchy fog I miss a sky that's blue don't let me go back there again years ago. How's he spent his summers now? Does he stroll down sunny streets? Does he linger late downtown in the morning? Does his sweetheart run her fingers through his hair? Is he glad he's not up there? Do you suppose he's on the beach walking barefoot in the sand? Or dragging chain and anchors through a muddy no-man's land. Is that him? Head down picking gear and fish up to his knees. Or sipping tepid coffee in a dirty pre-dawn breeze. Yeah, his sweetheart lets him go. She needs some me time, don't you know? And he sort of likes to bust his ass and she still likes the dough. They both like to snuggle tight in the winter when it blows. And they're both glad. He goes up there And they're both glad He goes up there Ed, had a kid Good job. Yeah, John likes to do these obscure tunes. And that's why I have to carry a big doctor's bag full of hardware. 
All right, so we're going to try something that uh, we haven't done for a long time. Um, won't even explain too much about this. I knew a guy actually that was a billionaire, and so it was written about him, but there's another guy that could probably fit this description. It's called Rolling on a Rolling Sea. Let's see if we can make that happen here. Turn that thing right there. Alright. You come a fool with a thirst for gold, a billionaire with a heart of stone. He'd do anything to stay on top, but there's a lot that he ain't got. Don't much care for executive cars, you can keep those Cuban cigars. Private jet and your boardroom schemes, they don't amount to a hill of beans. I'll take my chances on a breaking show, I like to feel that buck and roll. No place I'd rather be, I want to roll. There's a spirit watching over the deep Rules it ties and it never sleeps Heard it in the wind so wild and free And it's a rolling on a rolling sea So you can put me back aboard my boat Pair of sea boots and an old blue coat Heavy diesel make a soulful sound Big bronze propeller going round and around Blowing 40, driving rain I'll hunker down and I won't come rather be I want to roll on a rolling sea on a rolling sea long green it's the root of all evil seems to me it's taken down a lot of people money's nice no doubt about it, sure as hell can't get along without it. My daddy told me when I was three, best things in life are free. What good is all your silver and gold? You don't know which way the wind blows. Give me sky up over my head, blue, blue water underneath my bed. Ain't no place I would rather be I want to roll on a rolling sea I've been around and I've seen some sights Chased the silver darlings in the dark of night I've sailed crew, gone it alone Worked my fingers right down to the bone Half frozen in the winter time Paid my dues on the old steady grind Dodged water spots and hurricanes Done the Watusi in the Gulf of Maine Well I've been boarded been inspected, hung down, gone aground, and resurrected. Still ain't no place I would rather be. I want to roll on a rolling sea, on a rolling sea, on a rolling sea, on a rolling sea, on a rolling sea. Thanks a lot.
Yeah, roll and see. Sometimes I miss that roll and see. I'll be back out there, don't you worry. Well, <laughs> we got a song kind of like Happy Trails to You. In fact, you know, we should, well, we could do that, maybe. But this is the uh, Fisher Poets equivalent of it. And, and it is good to be back together, all of us who could make it. There's a lot of them listening, I know, and a lot of us uh, were thinking of those who aren't here and those who used to be here and all of them. And we're just glad to be back and look forward to being back next time. And we got this song that's kind of about that. So we'll try that? What's that? Do the whistle? Well, okay, you try. That's your job. Let's see if my whistle works here. I'm just trying to remember the chords. Oh yeah. fish sometimes everybody gets gear in a wheel everybody scratched his head wondered why the engine's dead everybody's had the short end of a deal everybody gonna miss fish sometimes everybody sometimes goes aground Everybody's anchors drag, everybody's missed a jack, everybody's got a friend who's drowned. But if you can make it back with your faculties intact, sometimes it's been a good trip after all. You got no broom up on your mast, but at least you saved your ass, though you lost your wheelhouse windows in that squall. Everybody's gonna miss fish sometimes Everybody's skiff has somewhere swamped Everybody's been corked or pinched Cost his shirt tail in the winch Everybody's finished seasons thin and gaunt Everybody's gonna miss fish sometimes Everybody's trashed the net out in the rip but when everybody gets back home to the loved ones that he's known, everybody's had a pretty good trip. When everybody gets back home to the loved ones that he knows, everybody's had a pretty good trip. Yeah, thank you very much. Nice job. Yeah. Well, we had a good trip here. We sure did. So thanks for coming tonight. Thanks so much to Liberty Theater for uh, hosting us so graciously, to KMUN for broadcasting us, the whole city of Astoria and uh, the whole commercial fishing community for encouraging the uh, creative voices of commercial fishing people. Mm. So we're going to take a little break, I think, right now. Then Mo's going to come down here and lead us in the... Uh, the uh, on-site poetry contest, there was some confusion. Uh, I don't know who wrote those rules, but uh, 
there's plenty of liberty to uh, accept. I think the time limit maybe we're going to stick to, but you know that voice thing, you'll do fine. So, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. We love you. It's time to turn this vessel towards town. The time has arrived. This trip has come to an end. The pones have been unloaded. We will miss all our friends. Headed back to safe waters, looks like we'll survive. The works that we've shared with fishers and friends, these memories shall last till we're together again. The connection I feel runs deep in my soul. We laugh and we cry as the stories unfold. The weak and the strong, the meek and the bold. We all hold on tightly, embrace for more poems. The courage it takes to share a piece of yourself would not be so easy without our friends by our side. We all have our reasons for choosing this life and sharing the struggle that lives deep inside. Although it is sad, I won't shed a tear. Fisher Poets 2024, we will see you next year. Woo! All right, once again, we're gonna move right into the Poetry Slam. 60 seconds, three colors, three sounds, three smells of voice, and it has to be about fishing. All right, folks, thank you all for sharing a little bit of this Fisher Poets weekend with us, and we will see you soon. That was Fisher Poets Doug Rhodes, George Wilson, John Broderick, and Jay Speakman, recorded at the Liberty Theater in Astoria, Oregon, on Saturday, February 25th, 2023. Well, that's it. This one's in the tote. The Fisher Poetry Podcast is written and produced by Brad Wartman. The theme music for this episode is courtesy of Mark Allen Lovewell and Molly Canole. If you'd like to appear on or have comments about the show, please send an email to thefisherpoetryarchive at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to haul the latest episodes into your net. The Fisher Poetry Podcast is available via our podcast host, Spotify, as well as Apple, Google, and Amazon. You can listen to our other podcast episodes, watch our YouTube videos, and join our community by going to thefisherpoetryarchive.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next one. Come all young sailormen, listen to me. I'll sing you a song of the fish in the sea. Blow ye winds westerly, westerly blow. We're bound to the southern, so steady she goes. <laughs>